We implemented many ideal processes. The world's most practiced method for project management. Still has been um, a catalyst in my career. Hundreds of thousands of people with a Prince 2 qualification. I've seen ITIL help organizations be more successful. The Axelos Podcast, bringing best practice directly to you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Axelos Global Best Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Akshayana, and with me is an amazing panel of people here to talk about something that's not often talked about in our industry. Uh, I would go so far as to say this is probably the best panel we've ever put together, and let me introduce them to you right now. So starting in the lower left of my screen is Simon Kent. Uh, for those of you who have been uh, attending various conferences, whether that's virtual or physical, it, here in the UK over the past several years, you might have come across Simon in one of uh, at one of those uh, events. He is the founder and CEO of Quantum 21, which is a, uh, a, a consultancy and a coaching business, uh, and he also helps uh, business uh, growing business teams uh, worldwide, uh, especially in the fintech arena. Uh, he talks a lot on LinkedIn about value and what value means. And he's every time I, I talk about value, someone tell, says to me, "Have you checked in with Simon? Have you have you asked him what his thoughts are about this?" So for me, Simon's always been the value guy, whether that's ITSM or enterprise service management or just IT management in general. Simon's the guy. Uh, but the reason I, I asked Simon to join us today is, uh, and, and I'm very grateful that he accepted, is that Simon's also been very open about his uh, physical well-being journey. And that should give you a clue about what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about physical well-being, which makes a nice two-parter to the first part being mental well-being that you might have heard in the last episode. Um, Simon's been very open about his uh, physical well-being and his, uh, the journey to better health. Um, I wish I had his discipline and, and fortitude, but hopefully we can learn about his journey and what worked for him, and uh, and hopefully you can take away some lessons that you can use yourself. And Simon was very kind to also introduce me to uh, Samantha Springer, uh, based out in Dallas. Uh, Samantha is a, a fitness coach uh, working with uh, leaders around the globe, uh, she, if I'm not mistaken, Samantha, you have a master's degree in uh, a related field, although by training you were an engineer. Is, is that correct? Well, I have my master's degree in exercise physiology, and engineering is just the, the field that I thought I was going to start in. Uh, fair enough. Um, <laughs> you can find uh, Samantha's uh, all over the interwebs. Um, um, you can find uh, her Instagram account uh, as at uh, instagram.com slash active attractive. Um, she helps, um, if, I, if I remember the, the bio of uh, active attractive, you work a lot with uh, female leaders in the tech industry, especially to uh, bring physical well-being and fitness uh, to the fore. So uh, yeah. thank you for joining us, uh, Samantha. And last but not least is, is an old college buddy of mine. Uh, we went to um, undergrad university together, although he stayed in engineering, which is frankly astounding to me, and I went and did other things, um, you know. Um, but outside of his day job um, as an architect at uh, Texas Instruments, Amit's been working for several years to put together what he calls the Lean Science Program. And he's now in the process of launching his own brand called True Lean in the US, through which he hopes to uh, build up a client base and, uh, and advise them on how to improve their health and fitness, uh, uh, help them to, towards their goals, whether that's weight loss or putting on more muscle or whatever else it might be. So one and all, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have all of you on board. Thank you, actually. Before we before we get into the the, the meat haha of the topic, uh, let me just qualify to our audience that none of us here, although we are all certified and we have master's degrees in the field, none of us are medical practitioners. So uh, take a lot of what we're saying. Uh, don't don't literally follow a lot of what we're saying. Talk to your GP. Talk to your medical professional about what's right for you. Uh, some of the things that we talk about can be perhaps applied uh, to the majority of people who are going to be listening to this podcast. But in, if in doubt, please do consult your doctor first. So, uh, physical well-being—it's a really, really vast topic, and we have to start somewhere. And I thought it might be interesting to start uh, hope that what might hopefully be a series of episodes talking about nutrition and exercise, which sort of plays to the strengths and the stories that we have to have to share. Um, 
Simon, I'll, I'll come to you first because I think rather than uh, Amit and, and, and Samantha, who probably come at this from a uh, advisory and a co literally coach type of perspective, you have a, a story to share as someone who had his own physical well-being journey. Um, would you be, feel comfortable um, sharing some of those details with uh, with our audience? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, yeah, hundred percent. And and thanks for the introduction and welcome. It's really kind of you. So. Um, yeah, and it's great to be here alongside uh, yourself and Samantha and, and Amit. So, uh, yeah, really honoured to be here. Thank you. So, the journey, uh, it it's kind of goes back quite a long way. I've always been um, into my physical fitness. I'm not exactly blessed in the height department, and I was quite a skinny guy through my teens and 20s and stuff like that. So, I sort of like had this... Um, uh, it, it complex about being the little guy, right? And I and I thought, oh, I want to do something about that. And uh, that so that sort of started in my thirties, and I started, you know, hitting the gym, and uh, had, you know, and and started, you know, sort of putting on some some muscle, some bulk, right? And I, and I and I don't know whether that was just sort of like some kind of oh, look at me, I want to look good kind of thing. But whatever the reason, it doesn't really matter, right? It just there's some benefits all the way down the line. Now, roll it forward into throughout my career. Um, my career took quite a a sharp sort of incline, if you like, into travel and very senior position, and 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 I was doing a lot. In long story short, I took on a lot of stress. I took on a heck of a lot of stress and it didn't do me any good whatsoever. And out of that period of time, it culminated in me sitting at my desk one day and I had this sharp pain in my chest. Um, and it really did feel like somebody had sort of, you know, if you grabbed your T-shirt, I can see your Iron Maiden T-shirt there, actually, right? And I wouldn't want you to screw it up. I'm a big Iron Maiden fan myself, right? But but if you grabbed your T-shirt metaphorically and sort of twisted it, okay, you twisted it in the middle, that's what it felt like with my chest. That's a very scary place to be. And I even, <laughs> stupidly as this sounds, I even said, uh, you know, I even Googled, am I having a heart attack, right? As you would, you know, <laughs> in the middle of a heart attack, right? <laughs> Let's Google, am I having a heart attack? <laughs> I, I make a joke of it now, but it was serious. And and I ended up, luckily I wasn't having a heart attack, but what was happening was it was exceptionally high blood pressure. I ended up in A&E and um, they put, the you know, the blood pressure machine on and uh, looked at it and walked away. Uh, sorry, they didn't walk away, but they looked at it and went, I think the machine's broken. Then they walked away and replaced it with a new machine. In comes the machine, strap it up again. No, the machine's not broken. You're broken. You're not moving. You are not moving. And it, uh, I can't remember the exact number. I've got it um, on my website as part of my story. But it was something stupid like 238 over 128 or something like that. You know, it's just crazy blood pressure. And... And I didn't even know it other than that feeling in my chest. I had no idea. It's a it's a silent killer. Yeah. Blood pressure. And that was the wake up call. That was the moment where I just went, I have got to do something about this. I I'm in the gym, but I'm clearly doing something not quite right. But it's the combination combination of everything that was going on in my life that was causing so much stress. And, and and it's great that the nutrition part of this is what you're also focused on. So so for, that's the sort of backstory for why I make this a priority. I think that's mm. the you know. The well, thank you for thank you for sharing that. I mean, I, I know it's not easy sometimes to share these stories of when we're at our most vulnerable. But thank you for sharing that, Simon. Um, so Martha, I'll, I'll come to you next. Uh, you, uh, possibly you hear similar stories from from a lot of the the clients and and other people that you coach um and uh, the sense i get from reading up on your uh website and instagram account etc is that you you tend to coach people to have a much more of a holistic approach to this so it's not just about that physical fitness but it's also about uh as simon was mentioning stress and mental well-being and and so on so how do you talk about physical fitness with your uh, with with people that you you talk about that you coach, uh, is it just about diet nutrition? Is it something a bit more holistic? How would you describe that? Absolutely. Well, um, 
you know, Simon really made a big point in connecting the element of stress with the body. And this is one thing that I don't know if everyone really focus on focuses on very much because we, I think we forget that our emotions are tied into our physical body and our physical body also generates emotion. So one of the things that I found with most of us is that we've been wired to think that we're supposed to execute exercise, almost like it's a prescription saying, you know, if I do three days a week, I'll get the legs that I want. If I run really far, then uh, maybe I'll lose the weight that I want. And it's a very superficial and aesthetic based goal, which can be a, a, something you desire, but it's not necessarily all, all that exercise has to offer us. And like Simon was saying, when you really approach fitness from the sake that you really get that your body is designed to move. That's why we have joints. That's why we have muscles. That's why we have a heart can, that connects vessels to everything inside. Um, then we get to understand when I move my body, I'm actually upregulating everything that's going on. Um, I'm elevating my mood. I'm elevating my metabolism, which generates more energy, which shifts my hormones and really brings everything into a more a higher state of momentum. And when we're professionals like Simon, he's working harder, he's really moving harder. Oftentimes we think that if I step back on my fitness, it's going to give me more time for my performance. But in reality, if you upregulate your, your intensity in the way that you work, most likely you're going to want to move your body to shift that, that stress energy and move it around so that you can balance feeling better. So there's so many different angles that uh, I, I really like to teach on, but overall, it's a matter of making sure you understand that how you feel is a very big component and it's your body actually speaking to you. If you listen to that, you can maximize not just your, your attitude and your capacity, but also the way that you perform in all areas of your life. I mean, I suppose it's a bit simplistic or reductive to say that um, mental well-being and emotions are in, in some way regulated or, or driven by the chemical balances within our body. And that therefore that has a, a ha, we now go from emotion and mental well-being to actual physical well-being and, and how we regulate those chemicals within our body. Um, and on that note, let me, let me come to you, Amit, because uh, as I mentioned at the top of the, uh, the podcast, we, we have been working together and you have been coaching me, but you've been coaching a lot of people, men and women uh, around the world. And with your program, where do you start when it comes to physical well-being? How do you begin that conversation? And what's the, I don't want to say typical journey, everyone has a different journey, but what are the sort of things that you see most often when, when, when working with clients? All right, so uh, the previous two accounts uh, brought a lot of different ideas and now I'm trying to sort of focus them onto the question you have. <laughs> um, so Whenever someone usually approaches me, it's always to do with, hey, I've gained so much weight and I'd like to lose weight or look better or whatever. And my feedback always has been, and this is something I learned over time, uh, which is just think of your body as a number of very, very finely tuned control systems. There's something that's trying to maintain your blood glucose, your blood pressure, uh, pretty much everything, your body temperature. So the whole idea is, can you convince your body to let go of a fuel-like fat, which is extremely valuable to it. I mean, every gram gives you nine calories, but without breaking of any of these systems down in the process. And unfortunately, the approach I usually see is quite the opposite, which is if you have gained weight, it means one of these systems is compromised. You have gained weight. But the first thing to do is let me cut down what I'm eating and let me go exercise a lot. But in that case, are you sure you're not compromising any of these systems? Because if you are, you may see temporary weight loss, but after that, you're going to try and the body's going to try and put back the weight that it has lost because it had a set point in mind. Now, the moment I say set point, it brings in a whole lot of other things because your set point really is determined by hormones like leptin and insulin, which decide this is where I feel comfortable. And as you gain weight over time, your set point may change. That's why I'm usually a little skeptical when I see posts about, hey, I started this and I lost 20 pounds in five weeks. All that it meant was you were here, you convinced your body to let go. Are you able to stay here for the next eight to 10 weeks? If not, if you find yourself back here, literally all you did was convince it to let go of what it considered fuel for a small amount of time. 
And the next question is, fine, you're doing calorie control, which means you may have just decided I'm going to eat less. But if you're eating less, identify the things that you've eliminated. Have you given up on some important amino acids? Have you given up on something? Um, okay, so there's vitamin D, B12, everything, right? Uh, there's omega-3. So what, what if you're using, if you are having deep sea fish, which were your source of omega-3, now you're not. Are you making sure you're putting that back through some other means or supplements? If you switch to your diet where protein has gone missing or it is inadequate, are you making sure it's back in there? Because essentially proteins form the machine that every cell in our body uses. So for me, the, the feedback to clients always has been, um, we are going to slowly convince your body to get to where you want it to be. But in the process, don't try to break anything else down. Uh, and it, so if, for everyone, the as you said, the, the progress can be different. Some show a response immediately within three to four weeks. Others may take six to eight weeks simply because there was something else that we had to first fix. Um, take, take acidity, for example, right? If you have frequent acidity problems, you're taking antacids frequently, you are actually interfering with the acid that the stomach produces to help you break down and digest food. And it, it's also the first line of defense for pathogens which enter through your food. So if really you've been setting yourself back by inhibiting your digestion as well as your immunity, first you need to fix that before you say, okay, I'm going to start cutting down food. So with every client, you're right. It's about taking a look at all the systems and then there are questions. So they help me identify what's going on. And if there are places where I see a roadblock, my point is fairly straightforward. We don't even attempt fat loss until this is working. And once they buy into it and they get there, suddenly they realize, yes, fat loss has come along. Because all along, the fat gain was really a symptom of something else that's been breaking down over time. Right. So I'll, I'll stick. I'll stick with you for this for the next question because you know 2020 has been let's face it a dumpster fire of a year. We've all been locked at home. Whether home is has been an actual house, in some cases it's been an apartment. Uh, for some people, it's just been a room in an apartment. Um, I'm sure it's driven a lot of. Uh, bad habits when it comes to to nutrition you know there have been people who started out with the best of intentions you know okay i'm going to be locked at home but i'm going to take the time to try to fix things maybe some of them it worked out for some of them maybe it didn't work out for others but even if without 2020 i think we're we're all in a profession a lot of us are in profession which requires a lot of knowledge work which is essentially means sedentary work right we're sitting in front of our desks looking at these screens day in and day out um sometimes we may have some exercise i mean i know that at least when i was commuting uh, at least i was strapping on a heavy backpack and i was getting like an hour standing in a train crowded train so there was at least something going on there but even now i don't even have that but with that in mind um since since you were talking about nutrition i mean um one of the things that you and I have talked a lot about is how um, fat is not the enemy. It's been mislabeled as the enemy. Um, in fact, I, I saw I saw um, in a tech um, a blog post earlier today, somebody had shared the USDA pyramid of um, you know what's good and what's bad, and uh, or how much you should have of each thing. And I think fat was right at the top and it was like you should have very very little fat and carbs was right at the bottom and saying you should have a lot of carbs um, and I think that was one of the first things that I had to re-educate myself on uh, and that's a journey that you helped me with as well but for our audience would you, would you be able to summarize why that's the wrong way of, of thinking about things? Uh, yes so the again if you take a look at some of these control systems i've been talking about you'll get an idea and especially if you look at glucose right uh, if you ever go to a doctor what's one of the first things they ask you to do is i'd like to see your fasting blood glucose because they just want to see how well your body has managed to maintain glucose within a very narrow range and that range is incredibly narrow it's like four to six grams in five liters worth of blood why is the body trying to maintain it that low and imagine, compare that to maybe a slice of bread where if you have it, you'll have 15 to 20 grams of glucose entering your bloodstream at one shot. So the way I'd answer this is neither fat, nor carbs, nor proteins are the enemy. All the body is saying is, understand how my systems work. Give me the right fuel at the right time. So for example, if you're an athlete who has two or three training sessions a day, you would need to be higher on the carbohydrate side because you're always using up glucose or glycogen that was stored in the muscles. And you need to replenish that before you go have uh, another workout. But for the average person who is sedentary, that may not hold anymore. 
what may hold is try and keep all your carbohydrates intake at a moderate level because the moment your glucose spikes your body shuts down fat burning sorry that's going to lead us into down a completely new <laughs> rabbit hole but i'll just mention that uh once again for that i'll encourage readers to maybe just uh, sorry listeners of this podcast to just understand how insulin works and what it does with fat cells etc so uh the input that i have usually been giving clients is and uh, this really worked fairly well for a lot because even in the past i used to say it doesn't matter if you eat once a day or five times a day it doesn't matter if your largest meal is in the night if you understand the science you should be able to pick a lifestyle that is sustainable for you and you will get your long term results but if you try to implement something that doesn't work then after four or five weeks you're going to give up or you're going to modify it because your lifestyle may not allow if you have a lot of meetings every day if you travel till late if you're on travel all the time workout may not be an option so the approach always has been if you can teach your body how to run on fats then we'll just take your example let's assume that you are literally sitting and doing a work all day what if you could teach your body that even if i'm sitting or maybe i'll have a standing work desk i'm running on fats uh over over a daily over a course of 6 to 8 hours maybe you'll burn 400 or 500 calories which is one maybe one fourth of your daily energy requirement compare that to maybe going and running on the treadmill for 35 minutes which may burn 250 calories in one case you've guaranteed burn 400 500 calories in terms of fat but before that you need to teach your body how to run on fats right uh and i that whole backpack thing is interesting i've usually encouraged most of my clients uh, which is pick your kids backpack if you can if you have any books if you have any dumbbells lying around whatever just put it walk around the house if your body is already running on fats you're literally telling it hey hey why don't you use some more fuel that's going to work on burn fat as well so uh the approach always is it's not how little i eat or how much workout i do but if i convince my body to utilize fat effectively for most of the things i need to do i will get my fat loss and at the same time life can be more sustainable because i may have 10 hours of meetings i don't have time to exercise but in those 10 hours i was running on fat so at the end of the day i'm still better off for it so 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 sign uh when you after after the um the the hospitalization incident that that you mentioned did, did you um uh, what were the sort of changes that you had to um put in place was it more diet uh, sort of the things that uh Samantha and, and Amit were talking about or was it rebalancing uh, exercise versus diet or was it something else altogether um it i i i i, the, I kind of really subscribe to Samantha's approach of the full holistic approach and that's what i took on board so like i said i was already um you know fairly disciplined in my physical fitness um and that that's important so you know maintaining that uh i i was very mindful of the fact that you know with such a high blood pressure there were you know a lot of danger dangers out there for my organs and i was like goodness me i didn't even know about those dangers and and so that was the wake up call but i kind of took a, a very much more holistic approach to it and one of the primary things that i think is a real saver for me which is going slightly off track but is is to introduce or what i did was introduce meditation and that was really important for me because it just slowed me down and allowed me to get centered um and so i know we're kind of going off track a little bit from the nutrition and and the uh, physical but that was a real clincher and then i also um looked and understood yeah, I, i didn't do massive research i just felt what was right I, as you can imagine coming out of hospital i was immediately prescribed no end of drugs right and and i and i was just like i was 48 at the time and i said said to myself there's no way i'm continuing on these drugs this is not how it's going to be for the rest of my life no so i'd made up my mind even though when i was taking the the drugs every morning and i'd be monitoring my blood pressure as i was taking the drugs in my mind i had already envisioned that i was seeing on my blood mo- blood pressure monitor that it was 120 over 80 that that was the vision that i had it was 120 over 80 even though the reality was something else but i'd already set the vision um and so 
it was a whole combination of those different things. It was it was the mind over the matter. It was the introduction of um, meditation every day, and that's still a that's still a thing for me every day. As is the running, or I run with the dogs in the morning, not very far, but it's enough. And every three times a week, four times a week, I'll be down the gym and I'll be doing some weights as well. But so it was, it, it, I took basically a, a complete holistic approach to it, um, which incorporated the physical well being. I mean, it's, it's interesting what you said about uh, meditation. I mean, growing up in India, my exposure to meditation was very much on the almost bordering religious uh, side of things. And that's that was my exposure to meditation. And for those of you who know me, you know, you know I'm not a particularly religious person. And that that perspective of meditation was something, you know, I, I avoided anything to have to do with meditation for the longest time. And I think it was last year I had... Um, I had to do some incredibly creative work. I, I, I'm not the best when it comes to writing, and I had to write a significant chunk of uh, literature, if you will. And um, I, I found that incredibly stressful. And, and that was the time I actually started uh, to do a bit of, um, you know, using some of these wellness uh, apps, uh, start to do a bit of meditation, even if it was five minutes a day, and then that increased to 10 minutes a day. I have to I have to confess I haven't kept up with it. It's only when I feel stressed that I go back to it. But if I'm not right. feeling stressed, I'm like you know I, I don't need it. It's I know it's the wrong thing to say, but sometimes I feel like it's just a crutch. It's it's a crutch that I need to help me walk when I need that help, and when I don't need that help, I choose not to engage with it. Whether that's right or wrong, but that seems to be what's working for me. Hi guys, Akshay here. It's that time again, that time of the episode where we feature an interesting member of our community who's been doing some interesting things. And for your listening pleasure today, we have Shane Carlson. Shane is uh, currently working at ServiceNow, but he and I crossed paths many, many years ago when we both happened to work uh, at a Indian outsourcing company. Although in different teams, in different parts of the world, we were connected through the larger uh, sort of community of practice. Since then, Shane and I have kept in touch and he's gone on to do some amazing things. I've also come to regard him over the years as uh, a mentor and as a good friend. I, I hope that you find what Shane has to say today really interesting. He is a, an amazing human being and if you are connected with him, say hi to him for me. If you're not, I think you definitely owe it to yourself to reach out to him and to talk to him um, whenever you run into him. Shane Carlson. I'm a senior executive consultant with ServiceNow working in their Inspire team. And what the Inspire team does and what I do as an executive consultant is to uh, work with a lot of our, our uh, what I'll call our largest and most complex customers to have conversations around uh, digital transformation and leveraging not only our platform, but uh, kind of all of their technology investments to, to drive real transformation from uh, legacy working patterns and legacy systems to uh, a truly transformed and uh, ultimately highly automated and highly driven by things like machine learning, AI, and other technologies to change the way they work, and not just in their IT organizations, but across their business units, business processes. In terms of things that I've leveraged, tools, frameworks, uh, I've been in the industry now for 25 years almost, actually 25 years, and uh, have basically seen everything from TQM to uh, uh, the latest iteration of, of Idle. Uh, thank you, Akshay. And uh, a number of other frameworks along the way that have kind of come and gone. For those of you who may remember RUP, Rational Unified Process, uh, I was a big adherent to that uh, probably 10 or 15 years ago and have, have worked with a number of frameworks and across service management and other disciplines. Uh, how I got started in service management, uh, I was an internal practitioner at Intuit about oh, geez, 20 years ago now, and uh, had initially started in a contact center 
helping as a lead in the contact center. Uh, we were doing payroll support and then ended up uh, moving over to the IT team and building out the, the help desk for the division I was in and ultimately consulting across the company to build out a global service desk function. Uh, actually, that's where I got my introduction to Idle. And was one of the, I think, the first 10,000, actually, no, one of the first 4,000 people certified in ITIL in the U.S. We actually had to fly in a test proctor from Canada to take our tests. So it was quite interesting. I have definitely had a lot of highs and lows and challenges and highlights over uh, 20 some odd years of, of doing this. I would say for me, the personal highlight has definitely been the the meeting and networking and engaging with people all over the world in this industry. I tell people all the time that if you're going to work in technology, it is going to be the the smallest large industry you'll ever be a part of and never burn a bridge because you never know who you're going to ultimately end up working with or working for. And to this day, I still run across people I worked with 20 plus years ago. And, uh, you know, just uh, to highlight that, we have a, a an internal Slack communication system at, at ServiceNow, and recently I noticed someone a name that was familiar to me from someone I worked with at Intuit twenty plus years ago, and reached out to him. And turns out we actually have an Intuit alumni channel within ServiceNow with a uh, hundred and some odd people in it. And I've rediscovered connections with people that I worked with 20 plus years ago. So that's definitely a, a highlight in terms of challenges, challenges. Uh, I, I don't spend a lot of time dwelling on the challenges. There have been a number uh, of challenges over the years, but I really see those as opportunities to either one, learn something new or two, that try to overcome something in a, a unique way and learn something from that, that, that I didn't know previously. And I would have to say that the majority of the challenges I've seen professionally or career wise have all been opportunities to strengthen myself, strengthen my skills or strengthen my relationships and, uh, you know, really see those challenges kind of turning into highlights over the years. Yeah, they always say hindsight is twenty twenty, and and never has that been more felt than in the year twenty twenty, where we've all faced many many challenges we didn't anticipate. Um, but I would I would have to say that any advice I would give my younger self is to not be afraid to step out and and be bold and challenge the status quo more so than I that I even did uh, back then. And, you know, look for those opportunities to step outside of of my comfort zone as as soon as I possibly could. And it, it took me a few years of being successful internally at a company before I decided to start reaching out externally and, and connecting with folks in the industry and having conversations and putting myself out there to be a, a speaker at conferences, to be a presenter and things like that. And, uh, you know, I don't regret getting to the point I did at the point in time I did, but I would definitely say it would have, would have been even better to have, have started that journey even earlier and learned as much as I could as soon as possible. So the advice I would give my younger son or for those who are at a similar place in their uh, career trajectory is don't be afraid to put yourself out there. You know, find the spaces where industry are, are having topical conversations and engage in those conversations and be less worried about being the loudest voice or the you know, being right on any given topic and you know, be there more about the give and the take, the exchange of ideas, the conversation and be open to learning. Um, as well as sharing those things that you know. In terms of advice I would give to a, a previous manager, um, you know, I, I've actually been fairly lucky in my career, and I actually owe a lot of my success in my career to having a number of very good managers who were very open to uh, leading uh, in what I would call a servant leadership uh, manner where they truly saw their role as a manager to be to grow and remove obstacles to the people who work for them so that those folks could grow and learn and progress. And one of the earliest pieces of advice I got from a manager was that he paid me for outcomes, not for attendance. And, you know, that would definitely be something I would give as a piece of advice to managers 
is if you're just looking for someone to fill a seat and to be there from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day and, you know, look like they're being uh, productive, you're probably not leading. You're managing people's time. What I would tell you to do is to let people know, especially people in salaried positions who you have hired to be a professional, treat them as a professional. You know, tell them what your expectations are of the role. And if they can do that job in 20 hours a week as opposed to 40 hours a week, more power to them. Right. If they're delivering on the outcomes of the role in a specified time, be flexible. Let them work where they can work. Let them work in the ways that they can work as long as it meets the needs of the things you're trying to do. So, again, to wrap that piece of advice up is, you know, you're paying people for outcomes, not attendance. I hide pretty well in 2020. I'm not as active on uh, many social channels as I, as I used to be, uh, mainly by design. Um, I am a host of the Technobiotic podcast. You can find me on Twitter, either at ITSM Pundit or at Technobiotic. Uh, happy to engage you there. I, I don't post a lot these days, uh, and that goes in in uh, fits and starts. So I, I may post a whole bunch one day and then post nothing for two or three months, and then go on a period where I'm posting actively every day for two or three months. So, but if you want to get a hold of me, uh, that's usually the best places to find me. Again, at ITSM Pundit or at Technobiotic uh, on Twitter. Uh, happy to engage with you there and you know share uh, whatever opinions I may have or whatever there were. Hey, so this is Akshay again. I hope you uh, enjoyed that. And now let's get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. So let's go back to um, the, what this past year has been, where people have been stuck at home. Uh, they've perhaps made some poor nutritional choices. In some cases, they, they have had to rely on, on takeaways. Uh, in some cases, they may not have a, a kitchen to cook in. Uh, they may be living in a small flat and they don't necessarily have access to workout equipment. Uh, you know, gyms have been closed in, in some uh, in lots of a lot of the world. So, how do we need to readjust our approach to this physical well-being, to nutrition, to to exercise? Samantha, I'm sure you've been having many of these conversations with your with your clients uh, over the past 12 months, and what, what's been What's a flavor of advice that you've been giving them? Absolutely. Um, I, I find that, you know, a lot of people have been more in tune to attempting their their health. And I think that with everything going on, you know, there are still the excuses of, you know, my children are at home and, um, you know, I don't have access to equipment. Well, I feel like the best approach so far is to just be open to trying something. Because if we've made excuses in the past of time, for example, and then all of a sudden we have a bunch of time, some people's mindsets are still stuck in trying to find some excuse to being able to get out of eating well or exercising. And with the clients that have come to me over the time of COVID, we've gotten innovative. We, there, there are so many ways to work out that you know any trainer could tell you this, but oftentimes we think we need a gym in order to feel satisfied. And it's one of those things that if you remain open to the creativity of what can happen, kind of what Amit was saying, when you understand how the body works, the amount of changes we really need to make to see transformation is very small to see a massive, a massive shift. So making even still a little transformation during this time, whether it's, you know, cutting off at 8 p.m. to stop eating or doing body weight training, walking daily outside with your children or finding some kind of something to meditate to, to get your mind in the right spot, to then move from that point to reduce stress. All of these are going to make a massive shift because if you weren't doing them before, and again, your body's designed for all of these things, if you weren't doing it before, you're for sure going to see a transformation. Mm. You do it now. Um, and uh, I mean, since, since uh, you were talking about nutrition before, uh, going back to this, um, I mean, a lot of people, uh, are living in places uh, in in apartments or, or flats or, or houses without proper uh, cooking equipment uh, and, and so on. They're relying a lot on on takeaway. It, it is what it is. Uh, in some cases, we have very little influence to, or, or control to be able to change the circumstances we're in. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of our audience are still in this situation, even though you know vaccines are being rolled out and and, and what have you. What would be some advice that you could impart to them in terms of? how to think about what to eat, 
Because let's face it, we're in IT. I mean, I remember in my 20s, you know, going through bags of M&M and Mountain Dew when it was crunch time, right? <laughs> so how would, how, would, how would you suggest they approach this? Um, so in my opinion, what I usually tell the clients is this enforced isolation of staying at home literally has given you the opportunity to now start running experiments and even come back to what I was mentioning about uh, making sure that your systems work properly. So if you look at the energy system of the body, you could take a human being, lock him up in a room with just water. And it would be four or five days before any medically, uh, medical, something that would require medical assistance, any kind of change would happen in the body. It can take up to 48 hours, any kind of medical intervention would be required. I mean, if you look at the plain fuel, that would last for about eight to 10 weeks. That's the amount of fuel you store on your body in terms of fat. So I, I asked them questions like, here's an uh, example for you. So tomorrow after you wake up, just don't eat. Don't eat at lunch. So that's about 16 to 18 hours after your last meal. What happens? If they say, oh, I can't do it, I'll get a headache. And the question is why? Because your liver should have been able to supply glucose. If necessary, it should have been able to generate glucose. So there are pathways in the body which take care of all of this. If this doesn't work, it's literally telling you that, hey, this is something you may want to fix because this should have worked in a normal human being. So two things I've encouraged is, start playing around with experiments, like uh, maybe I'll just skip my breakfast or delay things, or uh, I'd like to eat uh, this tub of ice cream in one sitting, but I don't want to gain fat. In which case, there are certain things you can do just before that in terms of getting glucose or glycogen out of the muscles, so the glucose goes there instead of getting stored as fat. So it's this has literally opened up this window for experiments, and because you're at home, it's not really having a direct impact. So you can choose days where your meeting schedules are less or you're not commuting. And then you can run these experiments. And the second thing is, uh, this may sound surprising, but for all of my clients, it's always been, if you're eating out, that's great. It's even, it may be better than eating at home because suddenly the, the menu is open. It's at your disposal. If you know how to choose things, right? So if you have an idea of exactly what you want, you're trying to avoid a particular macronutrient or reduce it, just go ahead and order the rest, throw in variables, enjoy it. If someone says, do you want this with it? You say, I don't want to, for whatever reason. So eating out or ordering in or takeaways, you could use them to your benefit. And again, here's a way to run all your experiments. Uh, choose which macronutrient you want to try, or maybe you want to try next two days, I'm going to go very low on calories, see how my body feels. Then I'm going to slowly bring my calories back up. It's called calorie cycling. You can try carb cycling. Uh, each one of these will reveal something about you that your body likes or doesn't like, and then you can start building on it. So really that's, I, I've encouraged everyone to go on this journey. And one important thing was uh, the whole meditation aspect. You may remember this when you first signed up and it's, a, it's usually a surprise for most of my clients because they come with this entire thing of this is what I eat, these are all my calories. And my first question is, when do you sleep? When do you wake up? How restful is your sleep? It's before anything else. Because, and then my next point is, look, if this is interrupted or not going well, it doesn't matter whatever else I put in place because your stress hormones are always going to uh, throw a spanner in the, in the works. So yes, it's, it's a matter of bringing all of this together. So from my side, yeah, it was experiment with fasting, experiment with macronutrients. Uh, and if you're at home, I think I'd sent you this, right? Just fill two buckets with water, walk around, carry it. Uh, you can try wall push-ups if you're not sure about your exact form. There are various things that you can try as long as you've taught your body to run on fats. After that, even if you sneeze, you're essentially using uh, fats for that. And yes, sorry, I should mention one thing. Since Sam knows she's also in Dallas, we've entered the cold weather. So yes, walk around a lot. And the next time you walk, maybe wear a, a less layers of clothing. You're going to go. What is going to happen? It's going to uh, trigger a response in your body to try and balance out the internal temperature because the external temperature is cold. How do you do that? It's going to induce shivering. That's one. That's literally muscles generating friction to increase heat. The second is your thyroid is going to bump up its hormone because it's really telling all the cells to burn a little extra energy and release that as heat to compensate for the cold. You've increased fat burning. If you understand how to play the game, you may be able to do all of these things and sort of stack them and still get the same results despite the lockdown. Interesting. Um and Simon, I mean, you, you've been working in ITSM and ESM uh, as I have, and I'm sure you can also remember, 
Uh, I'm sure Amit, as, as, as sort of an architect working for a chip manufacturer, also remembers the, the crunch days, the, the good old crunch days. Um, how, how have you adjusted? Um, I just want to stick on the on the on the thing of uh, of diet and and nutrition in during COVID time. Has has the COVID year been uh, different in terms of how you've approached crunch days, but also other days? Have, what sort of adjustments have you had to make, and what sort of advice would you share with uh, with our listeners? Yeah, it's um it certainly had an effect. There's no denying it, and um you know because I worked from home anyway, so that was that was not the impact. I always worked from home, but the the inability to um, you know go to the gym and participate in that form of exercise, I found that incredibly difficult. The fact that the gyms were closed, so you know I I could have created all sorts of ways to adapt. In fact, that I did to start with. You know, I was. Um, you know, along with all the family and the kids, we would be watching Joe Wick's PE every morning, right? Oh, yeah, and, yeah and, and doing those sorts of things. And I'd try my best to, you know, with the limited equipment that I got to maintain a, a discipline. Uh, and I couldn't. I really couldn't. So the thing that I could do, luckily, we're, we're very blessed to live out in the countryside. And so I can get out and you know we have two dogs that don't know it's covid don't know anything about <laughs> coronavirus right <laughs> they need tending to they need exercise so do i so so i was able to maintain that discipline but the the other disciplines they slipped and boy did i notice because what i noticed was as my discipline for for my physical well-being slipped so did my mental attitude towards perhaps sneakily having too many biscuits or going grabbing a packet of crisps or chips, right? And going, oh, so to me, that was the, the impact that I noticed. And it's taken discipline. It always is about discipline. In my, in my opinion, it's always about discipline. Um, I love the fact that Amit was talking about um, experimentation. I love that. But I, I, I believe that actually to experiment takes discipline to think about to ex need to experiment. It takes discipline to do the meditation, you know, because it's about building up these habits. And when you slip off the wagon with the discipline, you have to start again, really, and just go, do you know what? Mm -hmm. I know how to do this. I know how to do this. I know how to go and do exercise. I know how to do an improvise, an experiment. And I know how to do this with food. I know how to do this with, with exercise. But do it. Do it. You know, I'd speak to myself and go, sight, get off your rear end, right? You've been sat at this computer for six hours straight. Move. Get up. Move. Go do something. Don't reach for the bag of crisps. Do something else. Have a piece of fruit instead, because you know these crisps aren't going to do it. So I, I'm going to I'm going to ask a question to to all of you. Um, I suppose you know it, it's my way of getting some free advice, of course. But I'm pretty sure that this is a problem that many of our listeners face. <laughs> At the end of the day, now keep in mind. I, I, you know, I, I've been working with Amit, as, as I mentioned before, and I've seen a lot of improvement. I've seen weight loss. Um, maybe I, I wish it was more, but, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'll get there at the end. It's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, all that sort of good stuff, right? Uh, and I, But I think as we're coming, as we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel with COVID, you know, I'm seeing more and more meetings happening where I have, I'm not just a, a passive listener. I am an active participant in those meetings. I'm talking, I'm using, you know, my brain cells, I'm expending energy in that way because I'm, I'm participating in these meetings. And I got to tell you, at the end of the day, whether that's 5 p.m., 6 p.m., whatever, I'm just wiped out. Like emotionally and mentally, I am wiped out. And getting on a treadmill or going for a walk or whatever is the last thing I want to think about. And I know I literally have a half an hour or so before I then have to uh, help the kids with homework or I've got to cook dinner. And then before you know it, it's 8.30 or 9 o'clock and I'm just thinking about bed. And that is typically my work week. 
And I'm, I'm fed, I mean, I'm going out on a limb here, but I'm fairly sure this is not an uncommon experience. And this is something that a lot of our listeners would be going through right now. How would you break that sort of, because it's not the fact that I can't do exercise. It's not the fact that, I mean, I'm still pretty good on the diet side, but it's about breaking those mental barriers. It's about breaking down those preconceptions and trying to get to the other side where, where I am able to, or we are able to exercise more or, or eat healthier or whatever. So I guess it's, it's, a, it's a question more about breaking that mental barrier of that, that tiredness or how, how do you push through that? whether it's tiredness, whether whatever it might be, everyone's got a mental barrier. What would your advice be around pushing through that? Um, Samantha, I'll, I'll come to you first with that question. Yeah, so I feel like this part is kind of twofold because um, everybody knows the answer is, do you want it bad enough? And are you clear, are, are people clear on their goals? Like, do you have a full vision? Someone was talking about the visualization aspect. Simon was, he knew what he wanted on the other side. And you have to build a relationship with what it is that you actually desire, because if you don't, then it's just kind of like this little whim of a thought. And it's easy to brush it off when we're tired. Who wants to do anything when we're tired? So when we when we really develop what is the outcome, what is it that I want and what is that going to mean for me in my life or my children or my wife or my husband, whoever it is around you that might also be impacted. Do you have a clear vision on that? That's what everybody should get clear on first. But then the second tier of this is what is it that you're going into, i.e. at the gym? Is it something that feels like <laughs> feels like slave labor or is it something that is fun? I think a lot of people feel like exercise has to be this, you know, conviction and it has to be this almost torturous experience whenever you can find something that's actually enjoyable to walk to. Some people might want to. Well, uh, I mean, a lot of people think. Uh, sorry, uh, a lot of people yeah. think that if I if I haven't built up a good sweat at the end of that workout, then I've not really accomplished anything, right? Exactly, exactly. And it's kind of listening to what is it that you want to do. I have some clients that are doing things like aerial yoga. You know, and, and I always lead people to understand that if you start anywhere, anywhere, if it's walking on the treadmill, if you do that long enough, you're, because your body is designed to move, you are naturally wired to begin to ask questions once that gets easy. So if, you just, if you're walking on the treadmill and you're starting to get used to your heart pounding just a little bit and a little bit of sweat's pouring out and you look, you're looking over one day and you see someone on a new piece of equipment that you're like, what's that? That curiosity is going to make you probably make you walk over it, maybe try it out and find out that you might like it. And so now that's a part of your routine. And then you decide that I like the way my legs feel. Now my legs are stronger. I want to try to find some upper body movements. Now you're exploring upper body lifting. And before you know it, if you let time pass and you follow your curiosity and the, the experience of fun during that journey, now mm -hmm. you're not going to be thinking I'm leaving all of this work to go do more work. I'm leaving my work so that I can go do the one thing that brings me joy. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Amit, uh, I'll come to you with the same, same question. How, how do you advise people to, to break those mental barriers? Uh, so it's a couple of things. The first thing is, so why do you participate in six to eight hours of meeting, right? No one's put a gun to your head. And your answer is that's because I'm investing in myself and my family and our future. In the same way, are you invested enough in your quality of life, maybe into your 50s or your 60s? And if the answer there is yes, then it means you haven't done enough for that because you're invested in your work for a certain reason. It's for your kids' education or a quality of life from a materialistic perspective, right? So uh, the point is, am I also invested in looking and feeling my best when I'm in my 50s and 60s when usually the world tells people, most of your ailments are because of age. It's not true. A lot of these are built up over what you did in your 30s and 40s. So once you mentally decide that you want to get there, the next point is, uh, and I think we've had enough discussions, it's not about how often you exercise, but what you do, make it count. So maybe you can decide that five days in a week, I'm stuck in meetings. That's going to be my primary fat burning time. Where my body runs on fat, I may be in meetings, I may stand and take my call, etc. But over the weekends, I'll pick two slots where maybe for half an hour or 45 minutes, it's going to be a short, intense workout, which tells my muscular system, you better remain on par. 
that's it and after that i'm going to give another one full week for my muscular system to respond and i'm going to make sure that my nutrition is on point for that so if you decide okay this is sustainable for me going to the gym three or four times a week is not pick that now the next thing is you're right if you're already mentally exhausted exercise is really all you're doing with exercise as with any other things is inducing a certain amount of stress because the body responds to that and adapts to make sure that it can handle that the next time so if you are already tired and stressed out the last thing your body wants is more on top of it right so so if you let's say picked saturday at 5 pm i'm going to go for a half an hour workout 3 to 5 block it off you may want to just sit enjoy a movie catch a nap whatever but what you have done is you've ensured that when 5 pm rolls around uh, you've ensured two things one is this is a timeline or a timetable per week that i'm investing in for my long term wellness and the second is when the 5 pm window rolls around i have 2 hours of complete rest so now i really can go ahead and uh, make the best of it despite all that there will be certain days where as sam said your body will say look i'm just not ready for intense doesn't matter just go walk around go for a walk somewhere or walk up and down stairs come back it doesn't have to be intense your body will tell you but it's right there's a fine line there may be times it tells you just because you haven't built the discipline yet or you're being lazy but a lot of that comes from how invested are you so when i ask people can you give me one hour a week in workouts they're like sure we can in the past we were told to work out five times a week but if you pick that one hour make sure you can make that one hour count right so that would be that mine uh, and 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 simon um you know you were mentioning having to break certain bad habits in in years past as well as during 2020 um is there any advice that you can share with our listeners about how you went about trying to break those those bad habits mm-hmm. yeah definitely well it, it's it marries up to uh both what Nancy and Amika are advocating here is that it was it was about setting the goals setting the goals and the intentions and having the intentions and and having that uh associated to that is um the discipline to go ahead and and make the change but do some something different that was that's an important first step i for me it was and as part of that um like you were saying you can get to the end of the day and you're physically exhausted mentally exhausted and you've got a small window of time you've got to see to other things as life the family life pressures and all that stuff right and so i get it and i totally get it and i'm i'm with you um so what i did was said well let's change the morning routine let's look at the morning because right? <laughs> actually i've just come out of sleep um i i'm energized i can move i can do something so what i did i actually said okay i want to incorporate meditation i i absolutely want to incorporate meditation in my root daily routine i want to incorporate the 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 physical exercise and i want to ensure i have a healthy breakfast all right i'll just set my alarm for an hour earlier than what it was <laughs> and that's all i did i just went okay it's was set for you know 6:30 i set it for 5:30 right and then people go no i can't possibly do that that's insane why would i want to do that i need my sleep i need my bed and actually your body gets used to it again you can just go that's what time i get up and and actually i look forward to that because i know is the first thing i do is go straight into meditation straight into meditation so in that sense i'm still kind of asleep <laughs> really right i'm in that sort of theta theta sort of state where i'm sort of in and out right I physically move, you know, I don't just lie there in bed uh meditating. I know people that do, but I don't. I actually, you know, get up, move, but then straight into meditation. Um because I wanted to make sure that happened. It was important to me. It was it was that important to me because my my blood pressure was going screaming at me, telling telling me that I had neglected my my physical health my well-being it was screaming at me even though i was still going down the gym it wasn't good enough there was a bigger sphere of influence that was actually creating a big big underlying problem that i had no idea mm. so yeah uh, it's 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 a good point i, I mean I'll, i'll share a tip that it certainly worked for me and you know everyone's in a different situation but i'm very lucky in that here in the uk um we live in a we live in a 
uh, a part of uh, the Greater London area where it's easy to walk around. I, I appreciate, especially in you know Dallas, where where I mean, then and Samantha is you know it might be easy to walk around the neighborhoods, but but maybe not for longer distances. And um, uh, during the day, I'm either picking up or dropping the kids off to school. Um, and what I do is. Uh, usually we, we sort of drive down one way, take a taxi down one way if I'm dropping them, for example, uh, but then I'll walk back. So, the, you know, I, I've, I've sort of built my calendar around a routine where I've made the time in that morning that, you know, I, if I have to be here for, a, a you know, an 8.30 meeting, I will be here. My wife can go drop off the kids. But if I don't have to be, then I'll walk back. I'll take that half an hour to walk back, get those, you know, whatever, three, four, five thousand steps in, depending on how much time I have. So at least I'm getting some physical activity at that part of the day. Same applies for the evening. If um, I'm supposed to pick them up, then I'll I'll walk down to the school. And, you know, if depending on how the kids feel, we'll walk back part of the way or we'll just take the bus back where I'm standing, etc. So to some extent, uh, and, you know, I mean, suggestion of the uh, or maybe it was. I'm not sure whose suggestion it was, but the standing desk was a really good one. And I've been considering investing in a standing desk so that I'm not sitting all the time. I'm burning calories whilst standing. Um, so I think part of it is to nudge you in that right direction is also about seeing how you can incorporate some amount of activity into your daily routine rather than carving out the time to say, this is now when I will have physical activity. Uh, that at least has worked in part for me. Um, so uh, to our audience, you know, drop us an email, ask at axelos.com, tell us what uh, works for you. And, you know, if, if uh, Samantha Meep, and Simon agree to come back, we'd love to maybe read some of your stories on air and, and see what they have to say. And not that they're giving free advice, uh, you know, they, they run businesses and I'm very cognizant of that. <laughs> but no, it's, it's useful to share these tips. You know, we're all trying to work for the betterment of everybody else. And, you know, sometimes it's useful to discuss these topics uh, on air. Um, with that said, let, let, let me let me uh, wrap up here. Let me thank our guests, Samantha and Simon, uh, for their time today. Uh, Samantha, if people want to find you and, and learn more about what you do, what's the best place for them to, to go to? Absolutely. Um, I'm on Instagram at Active Attractive, and then you can find me or you can find my community on Facebook. It's a community for women called The Active and Attractive. Excellent. And uh, Amit, uh, what's the best way for people to find you? Whether they want to talk to you about being an architect at Texas Instruments or <laughs> science on the other side. <laughs> I think you've known me since college and I'm extremely poor with all of this. So uh, everything I have on my pages are all in flux. So Amit, which is A-M-E-E-T at TrueLean, as in true-lean.com. Excellent. And, and I will say this here, because this is a, a, a podcast that goes out to primarily an IT audience. When Amit talks about lean, he's talking about lean as in the dictionary definition, the first dictionary definition, which is about weight loss and, and, and physical well-being. We're not talking about lean as in lean, agile, and you know those sorts of principles. We're actually talking about being lean here in the true <laughs> sense of the word. Um, and lastly, but certainly not least, Simon, how can people find you and, and the work that you do as well? Uh, yeah, so um, through my website is primarily the best approach. So www.quantum21, that's all letters. There's no digits in that. It's quantum21, no hyphens. It's all letters. Dot com. Um, and on there, I, you know, as you said right at the beginning, I should talk about business value. But what I've done in recent weeks is just weaved into uh, a business value and well-being together. Because from a corporate standpoint, it is it's, there's 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 vast amounts of business value from investment in well-being. And one of the things, can I just sort of sure, mention okay, 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 okay. talking just now about the subject of so many meetings? I think there's a responsibility on our organisations and the people that you know the culture. The cultures are very much and have been very much geared towards productivity, pressure, 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 right? I felt it. I felt it through my blood pressure. Okay. That was part of the problem. And we need to have much more compassionate cultures in our organizations that respect that well being 
And if we don't prioritize health and well-being, then we are going to not only uh, acting irresponsibly, that's an irresponsible thing to not respect health and well-being. There's also a cost to it, not only in terms of lives, okay? So there's an ethical um, responsibility and a moral responsibility. But there is actually a business value. I don't know if anybody's ever read the report. I uh, don't want to plug a, a particular organization, but it is a great report by one of the leading um analyst organizations and consulting organizations that stated that for every one it was in, in it was in pounds every one pound that was spent on health and well-being in corporate they will receive five back mm-hmm. that's an incredible value from the investment in corporate in staff well-being and so with that come and how that manifest manifests is what does the meeting schedule look like? Is it appropriate that we just have back to back to back to back to back to back to back meetings every single day? The answer is no, it's not appropriate. It's not appropriate. And it needs to be governed in a way. I don't know quite what that looks like, but I'm a champion for that big time. Uh, it's, it's a fair point. Uh, I mean, on that note, I, I, I can tell you that, you know, uh, here at Axelos, uh, you know, we we have been thinking very uh, hard about that because for the last uh, eight, nine months, we've all been working remotely. And I think some teams, some individuals have gone so far as to block out their calendar every lunchtime so that they can, um, they, they can step away. Uh, I'll share a little tip that I discovered in Microsoft Outlook uh, before I end the call. I promise I will. Um, uh, a little tip that I discovered in Microsoft Outlook completely by chance. If you go into Outlook options under calendar, there's a way in which you can set your meetings to end early. So although you might set a default at one hour, you can actually say make it 45 minutes. If you if your default is 30, 30 minutes, then you can tell Outlook, no, actually reduce that down to 20 minutes. And you're also building in these 10 to 15 minute breaks in an hour. I mean, of course, that doesn't stop you from overrunning your meeting, but at least you, you, you're you starting to build in that discipline that you know we are going to finish in 20 minutes or we're going to finish in 45 minutes and I will take 10 minutes to walk around or just grab another cup of coffee, whatever it might be. Not coffee, that's stressful. Another cup of herbal tea, uh, whatever it might be. Um, so, uh, for those of you who are using Microsoft Office, uh, you know, check that out. Maybe that that might be something that that, that you find useful. But uh, we've come to the end of a, a very interesting conversation. It's certainly uh, not the last conversation we're going to have about this topic. And uh, I mean, Samantha, Simon, thank you for spending the time with us. And I hope you consider coming back and, and talking about these topics some more, or, or other topics altogether. You know, that's fine too. Uh, but until next time, everyone, uh, stay safe. Uh, Wash your hands and please wear a mask. Presented by Axelos.